It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shree. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. I am so glad you've decided to join me on this episode of Discover Your Spiritual Identity because we're going to be pulling back the veil on an amazing revelation. Our calling to be golden lampstands. Where do I find that? In the first chapter of the book of Revelation. And this is going to be a revelation to you that will have a profound impact on your life. It came to John when he was blinded and enslaved and shoved off on an island called Patmos because they wanted to rid him of his influence in the early church. Too many people were finding the Lord. The kingdom of God was having too great an impact. So they thought if they exiled John, they would diminish his influence. Instead, he started seeing more than he'd ever seen before. And let me read from the first chapter of the book of Revelation to kind of lay a foundation for the rest of what I'm going to say. This is my old Bible I used to carry around with me everywhere before we got iPads and computers to preach from. But starting with verse 10. And I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet, saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And really, I believe the resurrected Christ didn't speak in English and, and referred to the Greek letters Alpha and Omega. He probably said, I am the Aleph and Tav, which are the first and last letters of the Hebrew alphabet. But he said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. What you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches, which are in Asia, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet, and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first, and I am the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen, and I have the keys of Hades and of death. Write the things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. And then this is the key verse. 
the mystery of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands, which you saw, are the seven churches. And so the seven churches of Asia were represented as lampstands. And I want to go back to verses 12 and 13. He said, I turned to see the voice that spoke unto me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like the Son of Man, just like the high priest would stand in the middle of all the menorah lampstands in the holy place in the temple of God, so Jesus, our great high priest, was in the midst of these lampstands in this vision John had that represented the churches. Now, the number seven is the number of perfection and fullness and completion. And so I believe those seven churches that received this revelation John got from heaven, initially they were a representative group of the fullness of the church, the complete church globally all the way up to this hour in which we're living. Praise God. Then in verse 20, he said, the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand, the right hand is the position of trust and power. Your right hand man is the one you share secrets with, the one you share your deepest feelings and insights with, the one you share your authority with, the one you trust in. And the seven stars are in the right hand of the resurrected Savior. And he said the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. Now, many people feel that's a reference to the pastors of those churches because the word translated angels is the Greek word agalos, which is also translated messengers. So it could be the messengers of the churches, the ones who bring forth the revelation of the word to the churches. Or it could mean a literal angel assigned to each one of those churches. But remember, stars are God-created sources of light. And remember that. Then he said the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. Well, lampstands are humanly created sources of light. So you've got two sources of light there. You've got heavenly light, so to speak, the seven stars. And you've got earthly light, or light shining in the earth realm, the seven lampstands. And I believe that was God's way of saying the two worlds are merging. The light of heaven is going to shine on earth through these seven lampstand churches. And remember, when I say a lampstand, I'm not talking about a single lamp. In fact, in the complete Jewish Bible and other Jewish versions of the New Testament, you'll find that it references a menorah. It's a seven-stemmed lampstand because that's the type of lamp that was in the holy place of the tabernacle of Moses and later on in the holy place of the temple. There were 10 lampstands in the holy place of the temple, but just one in the tabernacle of Moses. There's so many details to go into in such rich, rich revelation. But there's five main areas of symbolism that we're going to delve into. 
Number one, the lampstand represents every individual Christian, every individual believer. And I'll show you proof of that in just a little bit. So on an individual level, you are called to be a lamp. You are called to be like the menorah lampstand, shining the light of God in this world, living in the holy place. If you're going to fulfill this calling just like the lampstand was in the holy place, you've got to dwell in the holy place. And that was the portion of the tent-like structure in the tabernacle of Moses that came right before the Holy of Holies. And both of them were contained in the tent. So the only light within that tent was the light shining from the lampstand. And that light came from the fire of the altar, and the fire of the altar came initially from heaven because the fire of God fell at the dedication of the tabernacle and later on at the dedication of the temple, consumed the sacrifice, and God told them not to ever let that fire go out. And so heavenly fire was constantly burning on the altar. Can you imagine being a priest daily serving in the tabernacle and realizing that's God's fire burning on the altar. That's not ordinary fire. That's not fire created by a blast of lightning or by rubbing two rocks together. It's not humanly created. It's God sent fire. What an awesome feeling that must have been. And then they took the fire from the altar and lit the lampstand with it. And see, that all represents the fact that the fire of God is going to light up your life, but you have to go by the altar first. You have to present your body a living sacrifice on God's altar, and then the fire that's on the altar will be transferred to you. That's something to consider. Well, number one, every individual believer is called to be a lampstand. Then number two, as we've seen in the first chapter of Revelation, every local church is called to be a lampstand within their community. Then number three, I believe the lampstand image represents the entire church, universal. All of God's people from the very beginning to the very end of this new covenant age who are a part of the true church, the church of the living God, are a composite lampstand shining into the world. Then number four, the lampstand also represents the eternal Israel of God that spans both the old covenant and the new covenant. Because you and I, as part of the new covenant, are grafted into Israel, even if we are Gentiles who have been born again. The word Israel means prince of God or one who rules with God. And the Israel of God is an eternal entity made up of all the redeemed of both covenants. And together we make up this lampstand. And then finally, we're going to find out in the last scriptures that I share that the everlasting city of God, New Jerusalem, is also represented as a lamp that burns and, of course, New Jerusalem is the Bride of Christ, another name for God's people. So let's go first to the individual believer. What scripture forms the basis of me believing that you have inherited this calling on an individual basis? 
Proverbs 20, 27 says, The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, the menorah of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. See, without the fire of God inside of you, your heart's a very dark place. There's only one flickering source of light, and that's a barely burning conscience that's about to be snuffed out because the spirit is dead in trespasses and sins. See, there's three parts to every human being, spirit, soul, and body. And each one of those three is a trinity within itself. We are a trinity of trinities. So the flesh or the body is made up of flesh, bones, and blood. The soul is comprised of mind, will, and emotions. And the spirit is made up of three functions. Communion with God, revelation from God, and conscience. And the first two are cut off in an unsaved person. No longer do you have a connection of communion with God. You can't just decide you're going to connect with God. You have to go God's route. Neither are you a recipient of revelation from God on a constant basis. Now, if God decides to break through the barrier and reveal something to you, he can. But normally, those two parts of your spirit are dead. You're not communing with God. You're not receiving revelation from God. But you have a barely functional conscience. The Bible even says it's a defiled conscience. It's like a barely burning coal in a campfire that's been covered up with ashes and dirt. And you dig down into it and find just a little coal that's still glowing red. And you can start a new fire with it. That's about the condition of the human spirit. But even in the Old Testament, that was their only source of light. The Torah, the Word of God, was a lamp unto their feet, a menorah that led them through life. But also the conscience inside provided light, especially when they were seeking to please God. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. What's the rest of it? searching all the inner depths of his heart. And so if God lights your spirit with his fire, not only are you going to see the world in the right light and understand what's happening around you politically, what's happening around you prophetically, what's happening around you spiritually, you have an understanding about the world that no one else has, but you also can see into yourself like an ordinary person cannot uh, because they try all manner of things like psychology in order to understand the inner workings of the heart and the mind. But you can't really understand the fallen nature, why human beings are the way they are, nor the cure for it unless the fire of God lights your spirit. And I pray that happens. Now, the complete Jewish Bible version of that same verse says it beautifully. It says, the human spirit is a lamp of Adonai. Adonai is the name that Hebrews or Jews use for God whenever they find the ineffable name of God in Scripture. Now, in our Bibles, it's translated Lord, but in the original Hebrew, the word translated Lord is Yahweh, Y-H-W-H. And most 
Jewish people, out of reverence for God, will not use that personal name for God, but they substitute the word Adonai, which means Lord. The human spirit is a lamp of Adonai. It searches one's inmost being. And so, I pray that because of this revelation you're going to get as we proceed, that you'll be able to search into your own spirit to find your potential, to find your purpose, and to find your passion. Potential and purpose and passion, may they be illuminated inside of you by the fire of God enveloping you and consuming you. Next, the tragedy. Why do I call it a tragedy? The tragedy of not being connected to God. What happens then? Proverbs 13, verse 9, the complete Jewish Bible says, The light of the righteous shines joyfully. The light of the righteous rejoices or shines joyfully because when God lights the lamp of your spirit, you find joy in a very depressing world. But the lamp of the wicked will be extinguished. What little light they may have in the conscience will ultimately be extinguished if it's not lit with the light and the fire of God. That's the tragedy, and that's our job to do everything we can to bring others into this experience. Next, there are five parts to a lamp. And I want you once again to look at this menorah that we actually got in Israel. We have quite a few menorahs we got in Israel. You have the vessel, and then even though this has been made to hold candles, candles didn't exist back then. In the days the lampstand was created, the days of Moses, later on the time of Solomon. I know the King James Version calls it candlesticks, but that's impossible because candles would have melted in the desert, and besides that, candles didn't exist back then. But anyway, imagine this to be containers for oil. You have the vessel, you have the oil containers, and the oil in the top, and then you have seven wicks, and then, of course, you have the fire that is placed on the wick to light it, and then the light that shines as a result. Those are the five parts of the lampstand revelation, the lampstand calling that rests upon you. Well, let's dig into each one of them. You are a vessel. A vessel is an object that is purposefully created to be filled. A vessel is not complete within itself. A lampstand by itself isn't going to do anybody any good unless it is filled with the oil and then that oil is used to bring forth light. See, vessels have to be containers of something of value. Everyone is a vessel. The Bible calls the wicked vessels of wrath and vessels of dishonor. But you're referred to in Scripture as vessels of mercy and vessels unto honor. And what an honor it is to be lit with the fire of God. So, fill us, Lord. Fill us with what? With the oil. Oil is representative of the anointing. It's called the oil of gladness. It's called the oil of joy. Because there is nothing that creates joy in a person's life any more than actually being filled with the oil of God. 
Anoint me with fresh oil, David said. I need a fresh outpouring today. Then the wick. What does the wick represent? I believe the wick represents the human will because it's upright. The wick sticks upright. It floats in the oil. And then, of course, the fire is placed on the wick and it burns slowly. Well, the will has to be involved because I will to be a vessel of the oil of God. I will to be lit with the fire of God. And I will to shine the light of truth into this world by the Spirit. So my will has to get involved. And the wick represents the will. Then what about the fire? I believe you can use fire to represent a lot of things. Fire represents passion, fervency, desire for God, longing for God. Your heart burns within you when you come close to God. Remember the men on the Emmaus Road when Jesus, though he was not known as Jesus to them, unveiled the scriptures concerning himself. And they said, did not our hearts burn within us? When you get in close proximity with God, there's a passion burning from him to you and from you to him. And those two flames merge. So the fire could be passion, but it also could represent the word and the spirit. Because God said, it's not my word like a fire. And he told Jeremiah, I will put my word in your mouth like fire. But also, the New Testament talks about how John the Baptist baptized with water, but the one who came after him was to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So both the word and the spirit are represented as fire. And then finally, number five is the light. And in like manner, light has two parts to it. In fact, scientists were mystified for many years because they would do experiments on light. And sometimes it would act like it was made up of particles. And at other times it would act like it was made up of waves. And then they discovered it's both waves and particles. And I like to use that as an analogy or a symbol of the fact that the light of God is made up of particle promises. All the promises of God's word, all the revelations of God's word are like the particles and the waves of light liken uh, to the spirit of God, waves of God's spirit flowing through your life. So the word and the spirit together are used to shine light into a very, very dark world through the vessels that are yielded to God and filled with his oil and lit with the fire of passion for him and passion to extend his kingdom in this world. Praise God. And there's a lot more that can be said about that. Now, there's two things that can hide this light, and Jesus warned us about them both. And I'm of course, there's other things, but these are the two main things Jesus emphasized. First, you can get so involved in business and jobs and work and bills and all these things that are necessities. Certainly, uh, we have to take care of our families. We have to take care of our natural needs, but you can become so overly consumed with those things your light's not really shining like it should. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, verses 14 and 15, 
You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. The basket represents commerce, our day-to-day jobs that we have to function in. And your light can get hidden under a basket, but if you stick a fiery source of light under a basket, that basket's going to burn. And if you don't allow balance in your life, where you give God the time he deserves and make sure you stay connected to him, then it's a dangerous situation as well. Next, he said in Luke 8, verse 16, No one, when he has lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed, but sets it on a lampstand that those who enter may see the light. Well, you stick a lamp that is a source of fiery light under a bed, that bed might get burned up. But a bed speaks to me of the possibility. It's certainly not the normal amount of rest a person should get, but of laziness and complacency and uncaring attitudes and just uh, oblivious to the need of the world. No, you're called to shine your light, not lay in a bed and rest an, uh, an inordinate amount of time. And so those are the two things that he used as symbols, a basket and a bed that could prevent the light from shining the way it should. Instead, in Matthew 5, 16, he said, let your light so shine. He said, let your light shine. That means the light wants to shine, but you've got to allow it. Just like God said, let there be light in the beginning. You ought to say, let there be light in my life right now because it's already in me. But the enemy would like it hidden under a basket or hidden under a bed. And I just say, let it shine. (laughs) Let it shine. Wherever God wants to take me, whatever God wants me to do, let it shine. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So make sure you always give credit where credit is due. The fire came from heaven to the altar. The fire was taken from the altar to light the lamp. And so the source is what should get the credit, and not only symbolically, but literally. Now let's go to the scripture that depicts New Jerusalem, the bride of Christ, the eternal dwelling place of the bride of the Lamb as a lamp that burns, a menorah lampstand. For Zion's sake, Isaiah said in 62 verse 1, I will not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a lamp that burns. And of course, as speaking of the progression of the covenants from the old covenant to the new covenant and how the lamp began burning brightly in the world with the coming of the new covenant, but it also speaks of Jerusalem on an ultimate level shining in this universe as the capital city of the new creation. How intense is that? In fact, there is a scripture that deals with that that talks about how New Jerusalem will not need the sun to shine in it, nor the moon by night, because 
the glory of God will lighten that city and the Lamb of God will be the lamp. And so Jesus ultimately is symbolized by a menorah lamp himself and he will be the lamp not in the center of the tabernacle of Moses, not in the center of the temple of Solomon, but in the center of New Jerusalem, illuminating the entire city, so much so the sun is not needed, the moon is nowhere to be seen. Now let me give you one last scripture, Zechariah 4.16. Why have I included this? You'd have to go back and read the whole chapter in Zechariah because it depicts Israel as a menorah lampstand and two olive trees on either side that represent, I believe, Zerubbabel, the governor, and Joshua, the high priest, that were the two anointed ones that helped bring restoration to Israel in that day. But Israel was represented as a lampstand. And this particular verse is recognized by Jewish theologians as being representative of the lampstand. Because in the original Hebrew, seven Hebrew words make up this statement, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, the Ruach, Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. And so sometimes you'll see the menorah lampstand with that statement underneath it, because that statement is spiritually, symbolically, prophetically connected to the lampstand. And so I'd like to end with that, that if we are to fulfill the calling to be a golden lampstand in this world, it's not because we've just decided we're going to achieve that goal. It's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Yahweh Sabaoth, the God of an army of angels that are going to rush to your rescue and help you in time of trouble and guide you into this calling. Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shree, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given His people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be.